gonna go ahead and uh, and do a quick live stream on LinkedIn. We just figured there's a, a few security articles out there and uh, this could be a complete wreck uh, because it's gonna be all ad lib, but hopefully we can get uh, some information out there and just uh, cover sort of the, the waterfront in terms of what's going on in the security industry. Just things that have popped up over the last few weeks that we thought were interesting. So what I wanted to do was sort of cover what's what's in the feed. I thought this was really interesting, by the way, on, on ChatGPT. So apparently uh, a lawyer using ChatGPT um, has some, is having some, some legal issues. Uh, uh, so I think, a yeah, a lot of this stuff is gonna be um, kind of bubbling up. I think that people are relying on that heavily. And the first thing that, uh, kind of came to our attention was this article, very concerning, uh, 60,000 pounds um, of ammonium nitrate uh, went missing from Wyoming to California on a train. And it, what's funny is it says it could have resulted from a leak, but they're not sure. So that that is actually just in, insane, just realizing that uh, that it's, could be a giant thousand pounds. And when you think of, you know, when you think of all the uh, the reasons that somebody could have out there for wanting to take, you know, steel pneumonia nitrate, you know, it's not valuable as far as dollar wise, but the sheer, the sheer weight of what they can do with, you know, with 5,000 pounds. I mean, you saw what they did, you know, uh, 95 in the Oklahoma City bombing, you know, yeah. that was 5,000 pounds, you know, and that's, it, it's crazy. You know, if that's the reason, if it, if it leaked out. You know, I think you got to take a look at it and how, how could that be, have been prevented? What measures or means do they have? Um, you know, and taking a look at this, I saw that, you know, there's a lot of different sensors that they have for, for trains. You know, they have motion sensors, humidity sensors, uh, temperature sensors, tilt sensors, you know, if products are moving inside of there. And yeah. they have weight sensors, which I didn't know. So I thought that was really interesting. You know, they can be used, um, you know, just not for just distribution of load, but they can be used to make sure that things are, are even, you know, things are... Um, you know, where they need to be inside the train car. So if right. they have something set up like that, you know, you would be able to not have to wait 10 days before you find out that you're missing 60,000 pounds of, you know, of ammonium nitrate. And you that's know, only in a thousand miles. Yeah. Yeah. So how, you know, it's been, it's been a couple of weeks now. So how do you not determine where you've dro dropped that off by this point? And, and that's, that's the thing is a lot of these things will pop up and then those sort of disappear. Um, so we'll, we'll probably never know what, what actually happened on this, but um, anyway, just, just completely uh, insane that this just went missing. Just like you said, knowing what's happened in the past and how that could be used by bad guys. Um, you know, is this another thing for security professionals world, you know, within the United States, at least with this incident, just uh, being, very focused on seeing trucks parked outside of buildings, just left there, anything like that. Uh, I would be definitely on alert, uh, especially if it's a, you know, high value type of uh, atmosphere. Um, it, it makes you think also, you know, a lot of times people are saying, well, I don't want to, I don't have the budget for this. I don't want to spend the money for this because it's only, you know, several thousands of dollars worth of ammonium nitrate. But when you think about the damage that 5,000 pounds did, Oklahoma City is north of $500 million when all is said and done from insurance claims to rebuilding the buildings to loss of life. I mean, you can't, you can't tell me that it wasn't, it wouldn't have been worth it to, to have some type of sensors, to have some type of safeguards in place. If it truly was a leak, 
you know, there's obviously there's a lot of theories out there what happened. There's, no one's probably gonna ever know for sure. But you know, when it when it comes to the finances of the thing, I mean, you gotta not just think of how much is this worth, how much should I pay for it, but what's the uh, if this gets out there, what's gonna happen? Yeah, exactly. And and now it's just up to security professionals to uh, to just be on the lookout. And then sort of the next thing that that you know where we're looking at was just um, sort of this hacking of critical infrastructure. Microsoft put out an alert recently. And I think, you know, just all the way across the board, it seems like there's been a spike on on this. And so you have, you know, the cyber side of things, and then you also have just physically people going in and, and breaching, um, you know, these substations and, and other areas. And so this has been a big sort of focus for, for WAVE and um, really working with a lot of different manufacturer partners to sort of put up all the best type of product solution set out there for layered security. And uh, this has been a big driver for us. And I think, you know, just as we continue to look through um, all of these different aspects, in fact, we're putting together something right now that's going to be just a a way of putting together how physical and cybersecurity are, are more and more tied together. And, and this is just a really good sort of uh, way of looking at that. I think, in fact, we had a, a discussion about that today with uh, a fencing manufacturer. And I think that's going to be a big a big push moving forward is just realizing that there's these layers and that, you know, if you can keep somebody from actually getting in there um, and, and getting access or at least having a paper trail of, of access, that, that's going to be a big deal. Yeah, when you take a look at, you know, the, the security that a lot of these places have, you know, it's, it's crazy. The, the, the greatest thing that the United States had going for it for the longest time for protection of its uh, critical infrastructure was just ignorance. You know, people just assumed important targets like, you know, nation's infrastructure, it's going to have top of the line protection, you know, but you take a look, you drive by any of the substations or, you know, electrical facilities, water uh, treatment plants, you take, take a look at the fencing, you know, like you mentioned, I mean, that's, they're still using fencing that was created, you know, hundred plus years ago. You know, and it's yeah. it's not, you know, there's a lot of better options out there, you know, and it's just making sure that they're educated on it, letting them know that, you know, there there is an option out there. You don't have to stick to what you've been doing for the last hundred years. You know, there's there's new technologies, there's things that are emergency, emerging when you think of something as simple as, as simple as chain link fence. You know, there's a lot of options out there. Yeah, I mean, I think the military has already been doing that for a long time, uh, as you know, um, you know, if you're securing a, an, an area. You're going you're gonna to look at all the components that go into it. And of course, electronic security is a big piece of that. But at the end of the day, you, you have to have a physical barrier uh, that at least very, you know, will slow someone down uh, considerably. And I don't think, I want to know what the time is on uh, how long it takes to cut through Chainlink. So that's, that's actually one of, one of the things I want to I look into. But, um, you know, it, it's probably within under a minute, right, of just cutting that. Sure. And, and going right through. And so, yeah, you can have electronic security on that and you're going to know maybe, you know, what, what zone somebody hit. Um, but if their whole goal is just to go in there and, and do some damage and then, and then bolt out, um, you know, authorities might not arrive in time to ever catch the guy. Exactly. Yeah. So the longer it takes them to get through that, the first perimeter, the, uh, the more time you're going to have to stop them and uh, get people on the scene. 
yeah, that's to me, that's a, a big focus right now. Just trying to figure out um, really the calculus on that. And then the next thing I saw this, I thought this was interesting. I already saw some other um, products being uh, delivered, you know, uh, years ago on AI powered cyber for physical security and that this would be a bigger and bigger sort of play uh, out there. But if you think about it, this is going to be really the future is, um, you know, if if it's more powerful than a human being able to patch holes and, and look at, um, you know, threats within that, this is going to be a big push, I, I think, within the utility areas and the critical infrastructure. So, and of course, we're talking about uh, NERC SIP for another application. And I thought it was really interesting that Again, all these things are sort of dovetailing together where you have cybersecurity and then physical security, and then all these things are uh, really become a layered system. But AI is going to become a bigger and bigger um, component of that. And so if you look at the players, if you do a Google search, um, you'll, you'll find you know some folks out there that are already really pushing this. Um, and I think it's it's going to be a big a big deal for um, for critical infrastructure, especially, but really just any business, because if they're going to use AI to hack um, a facility, you know, and, and go through their um, their computer systems, then you're going to have uh, things like this protecting the network, and it's going to going to sort of counterbalance. But that means there's going to be a ton of companies that are going to be unable to afford probably the technology to do that. Um, here's another one by IBM. This is worth a, a read. Actually, this is pretty good. Um, so anyway, that's, that's another thing that's sort of on the, on the horizon, but I think, I don't know what it is. All of a sudden, everything is pushing very, very quickly on AI and, uh, um, yeah, it was something you heard about and something that people will talk about. And then all of a sudden it's, it's right in your face. It's every other, uh, article, it seems to be something regarding AI and what it's going to do for us or the problem is going to create for us or yeah. situations we're going to have to handle with it. Yeah, I agree. So that's, that's probably the next big thing I think for um, for physical security manufacturers is just really understanding um, you know how how hardened are their units especially if they're going to be NERC SIP compliant I mean, we're, we're looking at uh, intercom stations uh, for substations and and the compliance that they have to have for that so everything has a cybersecurity aspect to it and things that really never had to worry about that um, not even four or five years ago are, are just really, really obsessed on, you know, their compliance to these things. And, and, and the, the, the folks that are running critical infrastructure, you know, power stations, things like that, um, the fines are super heavy uh, if they're, you know, not, not doing that. So. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see how it uh, starts to develop, how they start to actually utilize the AI within their facilities when situations come up you know, to be able to help them assist them and, and get problems resolved quicker. There's another thing I want to share. I thought this was pretty interesting, Sam. You know, if you just do a, a Google search on radar for critical infrastructure, you know, this is sort of what you're going to be getting uh, from some of the folks that are out there. And then same thing i did a google search for fencing for critical infrastructure and this is the what you're going to be you know seeing up on there 
And and the reason I think it's interesting is not necessarily the best solutions are going to be at the top. And I think another another gap for a lot of these manufacturers is just really explaining, you know, how are they addressing what what does it actually do? I mean, there's probably not a lot that goes into um, you know a lot of the materials that they're that they send out there to to answer those questions. And I think that's going to be a bigger and bigger um, challenge for manufacturers is really showing how it either complies with something or, you know, how, how um, does the solution address some of these, these bigger issues. And then I guess this literally just happened six hours ago. There was another drone attack uh, in Russia or let's see, Moscow hit by drone attack. Yeah. So you and I have been sort of watching this as well. So drone detection, you know, there's quite a few different manufacturers out there in the industry um, that have been providing this for at least five years, maybe longer, since years are going by uh, so quickly here. But uh, this is definitely a, a big area that that's probably going to get more and more attention with, you know, now you're seeing this in the news and headlines where only people within the physical security industry were really kind of paying attention to that, maybe military. Yeah, I mean, before you would always, the concern would always be, you know, once I get to my perimeter, once I get to my fence line, you know, I need cameras that are going to be able to do, you know, these different functions, depending on, you know, what you've programmed them to do. But with the radar, the great thing is, I mean, you can see, you know, something coming for whether it be, you know, vehicle traffic, whether it be animals, whether it be uh, people on foot, or it's, you know, like you just said, drones, you can see that coming and gives you plenty of time to actually be able to respond. So just the way, you know, talking about a layered solution. You know, it's the last few years, it's the uh, industry's really come around. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I keep thinking about electrical substations. Um, I know we've been looking at that for a while, but if, if you just sort of peel those back and just say, okay, what what are those layers? You know, we talked about a, a physical fence line, but, you know, before you get there, there's got to be sort of a, a larger area to know what's coming toward the perimeter uh, because, you know, the longer you have in terms of a warning system, the better. And oh, yeah. and then drones are just sort of that next level um, where those things come in fast and, you know, from the air. So you have a, a whole different type of solution to really detect something like that. And then, then it comes down to mitigation. Like what, what are critical infrastructure sites like substations? So power companies, what are they going to be allowed to do that, you know, companies aren't going to be allowed to normally do to actually mitigate or take down drones um, so they, they don't hit, you know, critical infrastructure. Yeah. Yeah. It'd be really interesting because right now, you know, a lot of those are just reserved for, um, you know, government, military, national defense, a lot of these uh, products out there that can actually stop a drone in its tracks. So it'll be interesting to see the, just, you know, the, the more that happens at the critical infrastructures, the more situations the cities and states are having, the more freedom, not freedom, but the more, um, you know, those regulations will change and, and relax a little bit to be able to give them more options. So it'll be interesting to see what happens in the, uh, the coming years. That's what drives me crazy, though, is it's reactionary. Like instead of yeah. getting ahead of that and saying, you know what, let's open that up to uh, these different entities to make sure that they can actually have some way of, of blocking this stuff before it gets there instead of just waiting for it to happen and then creating a law. Yeah, you know? unless, unless there's a, you know, a, 
requirement unless there's a something that's actually, you know, there's a reason that they're required to do it for insurance purposes. It seems like the majority of all of this is is reactionary. And there's there's no one going out there and you know talking about well this could happen. You know it's not well it, it did happen and now we got to do something about it. And that seems where where we've been for so long. You know so some of these uh, you know security managers, facility managers, and operation managers that are having the foresight to you know they contact us and they want to come out because they're they're thinking ahead. They're thinking you know this is what could happen and this is what we got to do to protect our people and our facilities. So it's uh, it's nice to see you know, when they're, when that does happen, but yeah, you're right. It's for the most part, everything's reactionary. Yeah. I mean, I know it's a newer threat, but um, anyway, that's going to be a, an area to, to keep watch on. And I, I just feel like we could detect it. There's solutions out there that'll do that. Um, you know, we were actually talking to a, a couple of people about that. And um, like I said, if there's not a way to really make sure that, 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 drone doesn't actually come in and do damage then um detecting it you know it's kind of like detecting uh somebody breaking into the car and grabbing everything and then leaving you know you yeah you detected it and you videotaped it uh so it's nice to be able to have some way of of mitigating that you know it's like um you know pa right talk down so somebody coming to a car dealership hey you know you're being videotaped and it scares them off Sure. Now we've just you've mitigated the the damage uh, by by putting those two things together, and I think drone detection is great, but there's got to be some sort of um, you know way of of uh, keeping that drone from actually doing any damage. Yeah. What do you do too once you detect it? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So what are what are some of the things that are no no pun intended on your radar? Is there anything that uh, you wanted to bring up or or take a look at article wise? You can share it if you want. Yeah, Forbes actually had a really interesting article, you know, talking about, um, you know, why it's a new target, you know, for cybersecurity, for cyber criminals, I should say, why cybersecurity yeah, is, is such an growing, important thing. A growing uh, uh, and they had a concern, I think, for a lot of people. Is it talking critical infrastructure as well? Yeah, it is. Um, one of the things that I really thought was interesting, though, we were just talking about the, the leadership and knowledge gap. So it's really just talking about just the different ways that, uh, you know, decisions have to be made talking about the you know specifically the the different different uh the way security is structured well let's see right here you know the way it's structured within organizations so when they're talking about the security structure they're talking about you know the it professionals and the ot professionals which is operational technology you know how they're both they're both involved in the security they're both involved in decisions but who's responsible for it hmm. so it's you know when, when you go when you know people contact contact different critical infrastructures whether it be water districts, whether it be power plants, whether it be utilities, whatever it is, you know, making sure they know, you know, who's responsible for what, because everybody wants to be able to say, you know, they, they either want to be responsible for it or they don't want to be responsible for it and making sure that they know what their roles are. So I just, I thought it was really interesting when it was talking about, you know, with, if, if uh, IT or OT specifically, one of them's taking charge of something and then they move on or they move out of that position and then you know, maybe it was the OT guys that were responsible and they've left. Now you're the IT guys who haven't had anything to do with it. That's not the area they deal with. Now they're responsible for it because they're the, they're the guys who've been there the longest, you know, and, and going back to that, um, Interesting. you know, the, the leadership gap there, the knowledge gap. If we, if we don't have something that the industry standardizes on as far as, you know, this is the role of IT or this is the role of OT. So, yeah, I, I think, 
you know, the, the cyber thing connected with physical, it's going to be interesting. And then who's going to be responsible. Um, you know, that's going to have, it's going to be, have to a title at some point where. Yeah. I mean, as of right now, you know, facility managers, you know what their roles are for the most part, you know, what security managers roles are for the most part, but while, you know, the uh, IT and OT guys, while they're sharing roles and responsibilities, if, if these guys, you know, from, from building to building or industry to industry, if they, if we don't narrow it down on who's responsible for what, and then we have guys that are leaving and you're going to have, you know, guys who are still there saying, no, I don't, that's not my role. I don't know what to do with it. You know, and then it's, who's that going to fall on? Who's going to be responsible for that? And, you know, who's going to, who's going to have to deal with something when, you know, when, when an incident happens or an attack happens, you know, if you don't have some guys who are responsible, who are certified, who are trained, who are aware of what needs to happen, when it needs to happen, you know, then there's, it's more than just a knowledge gap. I mean, you know, then you're looking at uh, loss of lives or you're looking at, you know, areas being shut down until uh, someone gets trained up on it, which could be, you know, depending on the industry, it could be catastrophic. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. And then it's probably going to be the chief security officer and they'll, you know, roll um, the physical security roles underneath that, I'm sure. But that hasn't happened yet, at least that I've seen. Um, it seems like facilities and, and security management is still a sort of a separate arm. But uh, yeah, it's an interesting article. I'll have to check that out. So in terms of other things that are on the radar, uh, anything else that that's sort of, um, you know, been interesting for you as you've sort of scrolled through and, and looked at the feeds that are out, out there? You know, I, I think like uh, radar is always is always exciting. You know, the critical infrastructure is huge and that's going to encompass a little bit of everything, whether it be, you know, uh, video access control intercom. Um, you know, perimeter protection and, you know, the the radar. I think uh, just being able to see how everything ties in together and how it can be utilized. Um, I'm excited to see, for the most part, I'm excited to see how AI is going to come into all that. You know, and, you know, you think of all these different, all these different, um, you know, software and, and hardware and how they all integrate and interface and work together. But when you put something in like AI, you know, and, and it's going to, to do what it's programmed to do. And then a lot of these, you know, they're self-learning. How is that going to affect what, the, what, what we want it to do? So I'm excited to see how that's going to, how that's going to come about. Yeah. I think one of the things I've, I don't know, I, I think this is a, um, a strategic advantage for a lot of the manufacturers that, you know, having, having a way of explaining sort of the, the context or, the relevance of a product and and hitting how it's actually impacting at the client site and then how channel partners can help you know put together a full solution with layered security solutions um that's been probably one of the most exciting things we've been doing for the last uh, i guess it's been six months now so you know what do you think in terms of uh, manufacturers and, and products that are out there like solution wise uh, what do you, what do you think we should be talking about, or what do you think um, the audiences out out there in terms of uh, the end users and channel partners would like to see, or uh, what do you think is going to be sort of the next big thing to to talk about and expand on, or who needs uh, maybe more information out there on products? Well, I think one of the things you have you have up right there, the power box, when it comes to you know not just end users, but you know in, uh, not just integrators, I should say, but also end users. 
you know, they're, everyone's looking for ways to either cut back, save money, um, you know, reduce the labor costs, you know, and, and this is a, you know, a power, a power box, you know, essentially it's, you can store the power in there. It charges the battery at night while, you know, lights are up. If you're using this out in a, uh, you know, like a parking lot structure, you know, we get a lot of that. We hear that just about every single day, you know, we have a parking yep. lot, the lights go down during the day, the power drops and we have no, uh, no video footage. You know, so it's having um, these power boxes connected to the light poles. So at light at night when the light's on, you know, we're charging those batteries. You know, they don't have to run additional lines out there. They don't have to run additional cables. They don't have to run any uh, poles. They don't have to, you know, all we're doing is mounting, you know, this power box and some battery storage, you know, and, and that's it. We're not having to spend all this money on having um, trenching and, and all this complicated stuff done. So that's, to me, that's just a really simple thing. You know, you see that in stadiums, you see it at churches, you see it at, you know, big box stores, you know, that that's just about everywhere that you can think of, you know, and then when it comes to, uh, you know, AI, you know, which, which we keep talking about, you know, there's a conversational AI, um, you know, called Ivy, you know, that we've, uh, we've talked about before. And it's, it's exciting because it's, you know, it's been utilized uh, a lot overseas. And it's, you know, it's here in America now and we're able to, uh, to, to share and, and, you know, push this out there. And you can, again, it's just about anywhere that you would want, whether it be train stations, airplanes, uh, air, airports, I should say, if you want it at, um, you know, malls, if you want it at business parks, you know, you can go up and you can ask, you know, where is the, you know, you, go, you show up to your appointment at the hospital, you know, you're there in a the parking lot and you can ask this, uh, you know, this this intercom unit is what, you know, what kind of looks like this interface and you tell, Hey, where's the, uh, where's oncology, you know, where do I go for x-rays? You know, there's, there's five different pharmacies at, at Kaiser, which one is the one that, uh, you know, is in the main building or where am I going? You know, where's the bathroom? If there's anything, you know, and I, it, can, it can answer your questions. It's self-learning. So as the more that you ask it, the more that, you know, uh, patrons are asking questions, the more that it learns and the better that it's able to adapt. You know, so yeah, I would I would assume that people who are responsible for um, monitoring, you know, if, if you're taking calls uh, for when someone's hitting a button and, you know, probably 90 percent of the calls are either false or they're, you know, people just maybe asking the same kind of redundant questions, um, you know, where's this or where's that? Yeah. So if you, if you could reduce that much. Uh, before going out and then actually hitting a, a person, you you can think about you know how how that's going to streamline things for them, sort of on the back end. So you look at AI, and you look at um, those type of applications. I was thinking about that even for for chat and things things that can make it faster or better. Um, you know, populating information uh, without having to manually do it that that's a big deal. We're looking at robotics as well, so. That's probably one of the most exciting things for me is, you know, chatting with manufacturers about, um, you know, sort of uh, showcasing their their products and putting that out here where, you know, more and more people as and it's been all organic growth is, you know, they want to find out how does this work? What's the application? And I think, you know, coming from the company themselves, sometimes, um, you know, just sounds like more of a product pitch. And, and I think the way we look at stuff and sort of break it down, like, you know, how is this going to benefit on the other side of it? You know, where's the application? Where's this installed? Um, 
and and how is this going to drive some sort of um, return on investment or or protection? You know, that's going to be meaningful. Um, and I think you know everything just gets sort of lost in um, either product pitches or you know sort of another logo uh, out there in in the feeds. And so you know, I think our goal is just to 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 be that um, sort of independent out there showing, you know, here's, here's what's out there that can actually benefit this environment. Here's what can benefit uh, maybe a whole solution and putting these things together. So that's what I'm most excited about. I think going after uh, robotics and of course, critical infrastructure components, whether it's radar or other sensors or actually physical fencing, I think it's all, you know, super beneficial. And it's not just one product that's going to be the, uh, a solution. It's going to be all of them. And I think, you know, the more you can put together for, you know, your system integrators who can say, hey, this is great. These are all pretty, you know, very vetted. Here's what they do. And I know I can get support on it. And then on the other side, their customers know, hey, this is going to be a great solution for us because um, maybe it has, you know, a certification that they need or, or maybe that it has an integration that they're going to need. And I think um, you know when it's when it's coming from a manufacturer, sometimes it's just hard to read that as anything but maybe some uh, uh, and a you know a product uh, sort of pitch or uh, maybe an explainer of some sort. But um, you know our our goal is to to expand a little bit on it, but make it short, make it uh, not painful to watch, like uh, what we're probably doing right now. Well, we also have the benefit of of the relationships with the integrators out in the field. You know, we're able to get some some real honest feedback from them as well, and we can we can share that as well. You know, and, and coming from us versus you know a manufacturer, you know, it may not be as as scripted, um, you know, and as polished as it would come from a manufacturer. You know, but you know, it, it's honest feedback, and we're able to share that as well. Yeah, and that's the goal is, is sort of put it put together a playlist um, that we know. You know, these are great products, and they have great uh, results from from being installed. And you know, the more we we can put together and explain, although we're gonna we're gonna probably hit a wall at some point in terms of being able to uh, put all these things together and 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 talk about them. So, um, you know, there's probably maybe another three or four manufacturers that we could have time to to actually produce this stuff. It takes a while um, to do on the other side, but I love it. I love doing it because I feel like uh, there's really nothing else out there that that does exactly what we're doing. And it's it's fun to be able to use a background, um, you know, in video editing and, and writing and stuff. And then at the same time, our subject matter expertise in physical security. So it's sort of a, a best of uh, being able to do that. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm really excited about you know video surveillance. I think there there are some great uh, things happening there. And again, not to beat a dead horse, but you know, AI is coming into that in, in a way where uh, analytics have have been notorious for having false alarms, you know, and and after a while, if if the end user is just ignoring the alarms, um, that's not great. So having AI in there to basically analyze the alarms and and sort of vet and bubble up to the user what actually is an alarm is that's kind of next level. Uh, so I think that's going to be a growing a growing trend. That and and of course cloud. Is going to continue to grow, um, but there are so many players out there 
And, you know, how do you sort of divide the marketing from the reality? And I think, you know, that we only want to work with people that, that provide a really great solution, you know, to to end users. We're probably pickier than we should be um, in some ways, but at the same time, you know, I got to love what we're, what we're doing, what we're talking about. And I feel like um, there are some folks that are out there that are really kind of pushing the next level uh, technology. And um, you know, as long as they can support uh, their their partners and the, and the end user and um, have a good sort of game plan on, on in terms of their future of what their technology is going to offer, you know, roadmap, um, then that's something that we can get excited about for sure. Yeah, definitely. Well, I think, uh, again, this is sort of a first. I just wanted to throw something out there that I thought would be helpful. Um, especially with that one crazy thing in terms of the, uh, that train. So throwing some stuff out there that uh, might be helpful for our fellow security professionals. And um, again, this isn't an an ad or an endorsement of, of what we're doing here, but uh, I figured it'd be kind of interesting to throw something other than a, a a one to two minute uh, video. So, um, well, if, if people have questions, uh, where do they find you, Sam? Uh, email is the best way to reach me, samuel.hicks at wavereps.com. Uh, and you can always shoot me a line there. You can find me, uh, find me on LinkedIn with, uh, with Wave Security as well. Awesome. Well, cool. I guess we'll wrap it up here. And then uh, if anybody has any questions, please hit us up. And if you have any suggestions on what you would like to see, I'd love to see that. Um, so definitely share any any insights or anything that you want to see on the channel, but we'll continue to scan news and and anything that we think is kind of interesting to to put out there. But uh, everyone have a safe and a great day. Talk to you. Sounds great. Stay safe.